Hello, everyone, and a happy new year. And so good to have you back on Future Imagined, our podcast dedicated to futures thinking. I'm your host, Joe Lepore. I lead Foresight for North America as part of Mars Wrigley Global Foresight. Join us on season four as we foray into new topics that will shape the future in this decade. This year, we're starting with a truly exciting topic. If there's one thing that dominated conversation last year, maybe aside from COVID, it was the metaverse. So that's what we're going to explore today. And I am so, so happy to have two brilliant guests joining me for the conversation. Welcome. I'm Nick Breinenberger. I'm the VP of Consumer Marketing at Fandom, which is the world's largest fan platform where fans have immersed themselves in imagined worlds. My background is in CPG and tech with a focus on e-commerce and marketplace business models. And so my interest is obviously also in the metaverse and where it goes in the future. And I'm glad to be here. Thank you for having me. My name is Raj Shroff. I founded Pine. We're a strategy and design consultancy, about five years old. We work with CPG and retail on now, next, and future projects, mostly in the experience space. My work has taken me around the globe and I'm really fortunate enough to work with some great clients around the world in digital product design and retail. So really excited to be here, Joe. Awesome. It was great to have you both. And we're doing a podcast about the metaverse. And I was actually listening to another podcast from Bloomberg, which is a great one. And there was one point where the three guests were having a little bit of a chuckle between themselves at the audience's supposed lack of understanding of the metaverse. And if there's one thing that I've learned over the last few months in talking about this topic in the business is that actually most people don't know very much about the metaverse. One interesting Google trend search, if you do, is what is the metaverse? There are no stupid questions. Wired wrote, talking about what the metaverse means is a bit like having a discussion about what the internet was in the 1970s. We say simply that the metaverse is a virtual realm where we will play, learn, and shop. But think about how integrated the internet is in our lives and the antiquatedness of saying that you're online or offline. The metaverse is the internet 3.0, so it's more than one technology. It's more than one place to do something. It's more than the definition that we have for it today. It's evolving. So clearly, as a futurist in training, this is a really exciting topic for me, and there is no way that we can cover it in 30 minutes. So we'll definitely come back to it in future episodes. But my hope is that we can cover off what it is, how brands can be thinking about it, and how it's evolving into the future. So There are parts that are simpler and more well understood, like virtual reality or digital avatars. There are parts that are really complex, like decentralized systems and cryptocurrency. There are parts that are connected, but often misjudged, like NFTs or non-fungible tokens. So maybe let's start with that. What is the one misconception or confusing part about the metaverse for you? I mean, I think it's fair for people to have a lot of confusion. I think that one thing is a distinction between Web 3.0 and the metaverse. You know, Web 3.0 is really a platform. I think we're trying to move from centralized to decentralized. So almost like the first part of Web where you have community generated content and control versus centralized. So 3.0 will be much more about decentralization and using the blockchain as a platform. Metaverse is more on the virtual aspect and almost this 3D realm. So now we see there's definitely confusion on the two. 
And uh, I wouldn't say I have a pet peeve. I think it's just fun to have the conversation and get people to think about them in different ways. And then I think once there's understanding, you can really unlock that value. But the metaverse being more of a 3D world, like a Fortnite Roblox, I think those are the examples that most people are familiar with or using. And if you haven't, you know, definitely check them out. Yeah, I think the comparison is great to things like Roblox and Fortnite. And that, to me, is what highlights one of the biggest misconceptions, in my personal opinion, is that the metaverse is anything new. Because it really isn't. To me, concepts like Habo Hotel or Second Life, which you know emerged in the early 2000s, were already collective virtual shared spaces, right? Like, which is not how people are describing the metaverse. And I think the emergence of new technologies like decentralized systems and, you know, the blockchain has obviously a huge impact on what the metaverse can represent for people. And so this has obviously exploded over the past three to five years. But the concept of a virtual world and people having digital identities and avatars that move around and sort of like unstructured space and create an identity for themselves, like, I don't think that's necessarily new. It's just that it becomes way more prevalent and accessible to people right now and way more interesting for companies as well to kind of invest. And is it safe to say as well that it's sort of moving beyond a place that you can share together with other people to have fun? into being more integrated into other parts of our life beyond how we entertain ourselves. So traditionally, it's very anchored into gaming. How much of it today is about gaming versus what it will be in the future? It's a very good point. One of my biggest advices for brands that want to enter that space is building utility value. It's interesting because gaming is a utility value for gamers, obviously. But for a lot of non-gamers or maybe older people like me, it's harder to enter that space and to draw value from it, right? Like other than just, you know, the gaming and entertainment aspect. So the moment there's some form of utility value, okay, so I get access to like special drops or like a concert that doesn't happen in real life. Those are exclusive experiences that are really interesting for other people, not just gamers. And it's definitely true that gaming is obviously the starting point or was the starting point, and now it's branching into different areas. Entertainment is a close follower, but there will be other applications. You know, healthcare comes to mind, uh, all sorts of business interactions come to mind. There will be a massive amount of spaces where the metaverse will drive utility value to different people. I think one of the most exciting ones is Roblox's foray into education. The other exciting one is shopping, obviously. So we're talking a lot about buying virtual items and blending the experiences of tactile physical shopping and virtual shopping. Raj, I know you do a lot of work in this space. Is that an exciting area of development for you? It really is. It can't come fast enough. I talk to clients about this all the time. You know, where we are right now in Metaverse in this 3D is so early on. You're seeing a lot of experimentation. And I think that's the most important thing is go experiment, go have fun, build the critical thinking, build the skills, just learn and become familiar with it. There's no silver bullet. And I think what we'll see will be probably a split. You'll have the virtual world metaverse, and then you'll have more augmented reality, which will be an overlay from the physical. And I think we'll see those sort of being two separate lanes for a while and maybe some intermingling. And then down the road, they might merge. But I think a lot of things are happening in the augmented reality space that could give us inspiration for the meta and vice versa. To me, the meta exciting part is e-com. 
You know, e-com has been the same 2D experience for 20 years. Nothing has changed for a shopper. The back end is different, but the front end is very boring, linear, flat. And when you think about how we engage in real shopping and all over, there's so much more excitement that we can build in a 3D world to make shopping more interesting, more engaging. Not that people won't still go to the physical, but that the virtual will be more engaging. And then what it enables beyond that will be, you know, well beyond what I can even imagine in a mixing of entertainment and shopping. And you could shop with your best bud in Shanghai and your other friend in Moscow and your other friend in LA and have this completely fun experience that we just don't do now in e-com or in the physical world. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And you touched on communities and Nick, I know you touched on communities and that's sort of like your bread and butter. What we're seeing with the metaverse and the growth with young people in particular is that they're thinking about those virtual experiences as being more about the like-minded tribal communities that they're a part of. So how is that going to evolve in the realm of the metaverse? I think it's important that brands can make a connection between digital and physical worlds because I think ultimately real communities where interaction between community members happen methodically and systematically are going to be always, I guess, more successful if there's an overlap between digital experiences and physical experiences. I compare shopping as a general sort of like activity. Online shopping hasn't replaced physical shopping. The penetration of online shopping is like depending on country, like between 15 and you know maybe 30%. And the rest is still physical shopping experiences. And I think in the same way, community experiences, whether it's you know concerts that happen in the digital space or shopping or gaming, I think the more people can create that bridge between the digital experience and the physical experience, the more successful they will be. And I think communities can happen and form and stay in the digital world, but they're always going to be more lively and more productive if there's somewhat of a bridge or somewhat of a value that they can extract into the physical world. And that bridge between the physical and digital world makes me think of the holodeck. So if anyone's a Star Trek fan, (laughs) cannot wait for the holodeck to be created so that we can have all of those wonderful experiences. One thing that I wanted to touch on were on this topic of how do we create a marketplace with the metaverse? You know, there's an estimation from Bloomberg that it's going to reach $800 billion by 2024. And if you're listening to that thinking that's a really bold, maybe fabricated number, consider that it's already valued at $500 billion today because it consists of things like gaming, social media communities, and live online experiences that are already so prominent today. So when we're thinking about future-proofing your business and thinking about experimenting. Obviously, there's a lot of companies making big investments in that space, renaming their entire company even. In October, Vogue Business released a story asking if businesses should implement a chief metaverse officer. How dedicated of a focus should a business have on the metaverse or should it be just about supplementing your existing brand strategy? Depending on the business you're in, I do think you need to have some kind of team who is maybe even disconnected from corporate and thinking about emerging technologies, what's the business trying to do, and then what type of technologies might facilitate that. So if metaverse is something that might facilitate that and you feel like you should play there, then start to experiment. But I think that you want to step back and just look across the landscape and be thoughtful in learning what things are, understanding what things are, figuring out where you might play. You could dive right into something maybe tactically just to get some experience, which I think a lot of brands are just jumping in, doing ads, stuff like that. 
but I would rather take a more step back, think about it, and then create some type of plan so that you know what you're trying to test, what you're trying to learn, what you, you know, even what your experiments might look like, even if you're having fun. We saw a move over the last two decades into personalization, curation, the attention economy. All of that is going to look very different in the metaverse. The same rules aren't necessarily going to apply, particularly when we're thinking about direct-to-consumer, now direct-to-avatar. Nick, what's your take on how brands should be thinking about reaching their consumer? I was just like recently joking around with some of my coworkers, like, hey, I want to do a billboard. And the question would be, well, should it be a physical billboard or should it be a digital billboard somewhere in like the central end? And that's just a mind-blowing question to get, right? Because like you can literally look at the metaverse as a digital or virtual copy of the real world. And in a way, your entire marketing mix could just double up into that virtual world. For a brand to consider going into that space, I think it's important to kind of figure out where their core target audience have experiences within the metaverse, really understand like how they will adopt it, how they will immerse into that world, what kind of experiences they want to have, and then figure out what are the overlaps between their brand propositions or things that they can offer, whether it's physical goods or digital goods or services or anything that the company might offer in that space and figuring out what the overlap there is and then test their way to Roger's point, right? Like really adopt an experimentation mindset and test their way into building digital experiences in that sweet spot area. Brands have to be careful because, you know, we often are in conversations and people will say, oh yeah, we tried that and it didn't work. And so when you're on the front end of these and you're making experiments and you fail, you have to figure out what was the failure and then will it fail again in the future? We wouldn't want to have these bad experiences in the metaverse with buying media or doing something, not having engagement, and then being like, you know what, for the next few years, we're not going to do it because we tried it and the C-level says it didn't work. Give us the numbers. What's it doing? So you almost have to figure out like, what is your comfort level for this experimentation and loss? But knowing you're not going to discard what might have been a brilliant strategy, it might have been that the timing was off. It's not even the metaverse. That's really anything, right? How many pilots do we see where one component was done poorly and then the whole pilot was thrown out and disregarded and maybe shelved for a number of years when the team didn't say, oh, we know that part was wrong. Let's try it again. So especially in this space, it's very risky to just assume it's useless or there's no value and then shelve it for a while. Is it then more about brands not potentially experimenting to see what works, but just experimenting for the sake of experimentation so that they almost get their feet wet and just work out, you know, how does this thing work and what kind of communities are on there and what are people interested in? How does my brand show up? versus actually sort of measuring that test and learn campaign based on the types of metrics that they would normally measure a, a small test and learn. I, I actually agree. I think brands need to be taking bold steps into this new world because it's so easy to feel defensive and to feel like, oh, this is a fad and to look at potentially the wrong things, right? Like the whole space around NFTs is like a 50-50 right now, right? And if you look at that and equate that with the whole metaverse space, your first mistake, which is like NFTs isn't the metaverse, like the metaverse is way bigger than that. It's just one aspect. And it's a very volatile and young aspect in its infancy. And just not seeing the, the forest for all the trees. 
And if you're trying to be too defensive in going into that space, you might miss opportunities, might look at the wrong metrics, might you know try to do straight translations between physical and, and digital worlds. And some of that has not worked for other companies in the past, right? If you look at how gaming has developed from purely happening in the physical space before the computer became accessible to everyday people, a lot of gaming companies went out of business because they didn't manage to kind of translate their propositions into a digital form. And I think drawing comparisons can be super helpful. How Kodak missed the whole digital photography train, how Nokia disappeared from the mobile phone space because they missed the smartphone train, right? Like all those failures, you don't want to be any of those brands. Also, brands get very excited when they see some of the things that are being sold by other brands. You know, we've seen the $4,000 Louis Vuitton handbag that was sold on Roblox last year, more than the retail value price of the real physical thing, which just blows my mind. Obviously, you've got real estate being invested in by Adidas and PwC. One of my favorite examples is Snoop Dogg and everything that he is doing in virtual real estate and the exclusive VIP passes that he's generating. So there's a lot of very cool stuff happening in the metaverse at the moment. So not every brand is able to replicate that. And I would say also there's sort of something that we're not talking about too much, which is ownability. So there's already conversations about brands in the metaverse facing trademark infringements. So if the metaverse is meant to be this open space, not privately regulated, what does that mean for a brand proposition, iconography, even you know what it can own emotionally with a consumer association? And realistically, how much can a brand really own in the metaverse? That's an awesome question. I think that that is a topic we had a lot of conversations with in 2021. It's so early on that I think it's still open to debate. Brands have trademarks and rights in the physical world, and those are ruled, you know, there's regulation there. I do think at some point there'll have to be an agreed upon regulation, even if it's decentralized, even if it's a community based, because I think this community is very much about creativity and ownership. So I think the question of ownership and what it means might change. It may be that you get acknowledgement or you get some other value, and it isn't that you actually own it. But I think brands will have to wrestle with that. The only thing they know now is to go ahead and take what they own in the physical world and move that into the meta. I think there'll be many more questions about how this evolves and how this is regulated. And I do hope it'll work itself out with the community base. But I think all that we can do now is to mirror what's happening in the physical world with the governing bodies and the rules that we know. And then probably like anything else, there'll be lawsuits and cases And there'll have to be some precedent created for how society deals with this type of question. It's a really complex space, right? Like another parallel to that was cryptocurrencies or or NFTs that accrue in value, like how that impact your tax returns. You know, like just personally for me, like, I don't know. And I'm pretty sure all accountants in this space are excited about, you know, having new things to figure out and, you know. I think it's a really difficult question to answer. Personally, from a brand building perspective, the way I want to look at it is maybe getting less obsessed about your own brand expression system elements, like your brand mark, your things that you've codified. If those are being used in different ways, maybe there's a way to capitalize on that rather than trying to prevent it from happening. 
it's really hard because if you're a brand builder and you want to protect your brand and you want to make sure that it evolves and that you're building the right associations into it and the right perceptions and not everything is in your control, but that reality has always been there. And I think the metaverse will create a lot of risks, but it's just something that you kind of need to turn into an opportunity rather than looking as a risk. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think that we look at this ownership lens through what we know today, but in the future, it could be we as a brand deploy an asset and the community owns it. And we're given because of whether it's a like or whether it's some other value associated with it, we get credit. We're fine with that. We're fine how that credit is distributed, how that ownership, quote unquote, is distributed. And I think that is something that we definitely have to consider is our old ways of KPIs and appreciation will evolve and be different in ways that we don't even understand. Yeah, and I think a good example is Nike and the way they're entering the metaverse and trying to capitalize on community aspects uh, around it, right? Like how can they use the community for product design, right? So for example, they could create studios and I think that's what they're planning where community members can interact with some influencers or some sports stars that they're sponsoring and sort of co-develop products, right? Both from a functional and from a design standpoint. And so that's a really interesting use of the metaverse. And they're kind of opening up one aspect of their product development and one aspect of their marketing mix totally to the community. Yeah, and it's really interesting looking at how other brands are experimenting in this space. And I think, Raj, what you said is spot on that we haven't got it worked out. I think most people don't. And that's because it's still evolving. And if there's one thing we know, it's that you're going to be in it to win it. And we believe that the metaverse is going to be a a significant part of our future. And therefore, it should be something that your business is experimenting in. So let's talk about the future a little bit now. And I want to go back to, Nick, what you mentioned before around the metaverse being a fad for some people. Maybe it's the name. (laughs) Maybe it's the connection to crypto, NFTs, and all of these things. I think a part of it, though, is fear. So there's a certain association that people have with the virtual technological world taking over our humanity. And one of the key search terms that we have with our cultural anthropologist friends at MotiveBase is specifically protect humanity when it comes to the metaverse. So today, most of us in the world are connected to a device, to the internet, to surveillance systems. So what is the turning point that people are afraid of when it comes to losing touch with their humanity and the metaverse taking over their lives? What are people really afraid of? Or are they just rejecting something that's new and unfamiliar? I think fear is connected to your level of understanding something or not. I'm reminded of something that a philosophy professor of mine said over 25 years ago, that people are basically transparent. And that was at a time when the internet wasn't, you know, it was there, but mostly for sort of like email communication, maybe some chat rooms and things like that. But already credit card companies would have a lot of information about you, what you like, what you purchase, where you are. And that hasn't changed. It has just gotten more transparent for a lot of companies who you are and what you do. And yes, there's fears around like what that means for your independency and for your privacy and how you can govern your own life. For me personally, I've just accepted the fact that companies will know uh, and will always know more and more about me and who I am and what I do and what I like and what I don't like. 
And I think understanding that has helped me come to look at it as more of an opportunity again, rather than a risk. And I think there will have to be some regulations around like how the metaverse basically externalizes your identity in the digital space for privacy protections. And I do think that that will come relatively quickly. But I think the more that people understand around what that means for your identity, what the benefits are as well, then that can sort of alleviate some of the risks or defensiveness that people might have around new things. The more they understand, the less risky they will perceive it to be. I think the big social media company where the control is something that people fear. And if these central bodies own this thing, what will they know about us, the control that they have? And really some of the legacy things about the election and and things of that nature where there's fear that they can manipulate things and change things and they really control the information flow and the data. And I think that's the reality that society has to work through and how that gets regulated. A lot of the times you fear what you don't understand. I think on the other side, you have a new generation of people who I see my kids and they're looking at their phones and my 11-year-old's on his TikTok and I'll say, go be social. And he'll say, I am being social. So I think the other piece is there's an older generation that is doing a lot of the writing and in the media talking about this. And there's a younger cohort who are engaging in a totally different way and are native to things that we are as immigrants not native to. And we look at them and don't quite understand that next generation of the meta-native cohort. Our kids will probably look at them and say, oh my gosh, what's going on? So I think there's you know, a combination of things. Is this centralization? Who owns and controls the data? What are they doing with it? And a fear about that. And then the other thing is we look at our kids on their phones and devices all the time and think, oh my gosh, how come no one's going to the park anymore? How come no one's enjoying the outdoors anymore? And in many ways, they're doing some of those things in a way that they know. And it's not right or wrong. It's just different for us. And so we fear that. And so we'll see how that plays out. You know, if there's one thing that we know about the future is that the future is not set and it's co-created by all of us. So the future becomes what we need it to be and what we want it to be. So hopefully this conversation has helped our listeners to better understand the metaverse. So there's, you know, hopefully less fear and trepidation if you had any of that. But also excitement because it's a really, really great space to potentially grow your brand and grow your business. So with that in mind, I have one last question for both of you, and it's about the future. It's really up to us to create what we need out of it. So what is your one hope for how the metaverse will evolve in the coming years? What I hope happens is that it actually is what everyone thinks it could be. Just from a pure practical standpoint, immersive concerts, immersive media where you might be part of a show, virtual museums. I think that entertainment piece will be really big and can be really fun and and super interesting for people and maybe evolve the way that our kids learn so they could drop into a civil war battle and walk around and see and how would that change versus reading a book? I mean, oh my gosh, are you kidding me? Like my grades would have been incredible if I was actually in a battle and, and knew what they were thinking and those emotions and could interact with that would be fantastic. I think gaming is going to evolve also, and they'll be with that education opportunity in that space. And then e-com moving more into 3D and being more compelling, I think is long, long overdue. And then for companies trying to figure out how will this work so that, you know, we can all collaborate virtually in a much more comfortable setting than a Zoom call. The next Zoom or Zoom's iteration will try to figure that out. So I have a lot of optimism about what this could be. I have faith in humanity, and I think that starting at those key points where we're providing 
providing some entertainment, providing some utility, and then having fun and seeing what we can do with it in a constructive way. I think maybe by the end of this decade, we won't even talk about the metaverse anymore and it will just be normal to have a digital identity. It will be normal to have virtually augmented experiences like meetings or talking to a doctor or watching a sports game as if you were there. And the reason for why I think so is that multiple generations right now using TikTok and Instagram and filters that already foreshadow what you can do in terms of augmenting reality with digital things and those are just like baby steps but they all point in the one direction where you will have your identity translated into the virtual space and it will be a normal part of your existence. Like Raj, I believe in the good of people and the good of humanity and I think we're going to do the right thing to govern that space and it won't be abused and so yeah I'm looking forward I'm super excited about it actually. Whether you believe the metaverse is going to create a version of the world that is worse than the one we have today, or you agree with our optimistic panel that the metaverse will be shaped into something that elevates humanity, one thing I hope is that after listening to the show, you can at least agree that this is not a fad. Ironically, captured in the internet forever is this prediction from American Newsweek back in 1995, quote, the truth is no online database will replace your daily newspaper. No CD-ROM can take the place of a competent teacher, and no computer network will change the way the government works. This might seem laughable today, but at the time, the internet was very new, complicated, and so ambiguous. It has taken three decades to evolve the internet to what it is today, so rest assured, the metaverse won't come and swallow up your physical, tactile life anytime soon. Our only fault is in doubting that change will happen. Our failure is in not planning for it. How we create a fair, equitable, and exciting future from the metaverse is up to us. Thank you for listening. This is Joe. I'll see you next time on Future Imagined. Until then, stay curious. If you enjoy our show, be sure to follow us on Apple, Spotify, or your favorite podcast player so you don't miss new episodes. And if you can, a five-star Apple review goes a long way to help us connect with other curious thinkers like yourself, and we really appreciate it. The views expressed on this podcast are that of the show's creators, the foresight leaders within Mars Wrigley, and don't necessarily reflect the views of Mars or other employers. Future Imagined is a production of Stories Bureau, produced by Elisa Manjarez, with editing and sound design by Matha de Leon.